Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, tennis fans, and welcome to episode 20 of The Passing Shot. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello and welcome to The Passing Shot, your tennis catch-up podcast with the self-proclaimed Queen of Clay Kim and the wandering wildcard Joel. So today we'll be looking back at the first week of the Australian Open and giving you our six things we've learned from the tournament so far before we look ahead to the second week of the first slam of the year. So today we've been avidly following the Federer Sitsipas match, which Certainly lived up to expectations. How are you, Joel? Did you manage to see much of the match? Hi, Kim. Yes, I I watched a bit of it live. I was following it on live score. And I also caught some of the highlights as well on TV later on this afternoon. Great match. Probably, I mean, for me, the best match of the tournament so far. And it was a really, really high quality match from first point to the last point. All I was thinking was I was hoping it was going to a fifth set because the quality was that good. I just wanted mm. to see more of that tennis. Yeah, I just wanted it to go on and on and on. Yeah, it was certainly, yeah, I would agree. I think the best match that we've seen so far at this tournament. But we'll be touching on it later, won't we? Mm. Yeah, the um, yeah, it was a great match. I would just probably say, as much as I wanted it to go to a fifth set, I don't think Sloane Stevens would have wanted it to go to a fifth set, nor uh, her opponent. So yeah, we'll be touching on, on that as well, because there's a, there is an interesting point there with the Australian Open. Absolutely. Yeah, so that brings us on, I think, to to the first thing we've kind of learnt really from this week is that the Australian Open schedule has taken absolutely no prisoners for the women's game. Yeah, that's uh, it's a good point you raise because, uh, like you know, like the US Open, the scheduling is split between a day session and an evening session, and if on the show courts, we should say, yeah, you on, know, on just the, on the show courts, on the yeah, show courts, just to clarify, and. If the men's match is the first match on and it's a, you know, a four or five setter that goes kind of three, four, four hours plus into the night, it means we get these kind of awkward situations, as Johanna Conta found out and Sloane Stevens, that, you know, the women's matches could potentially be put on after after midnight. And it's <laughs> it's developed some very strong opinions in the tennis community. Yeah, I just think it's inhumane to start any tennis match after midnight. Like, you just think how, you know, if you'd like fail to get a decent night's sleep, you know, I feel terrible the next day. I can't function. Like, sleep is so important. And not, you know, especially for professional athletes, to expect tennis players to just literally become nocturnal after having been up probably, you know, for most of the day before, and then to suddenly perform at your best. I mean, I know it's the same for both players, so you could argue, you know, it's it's fair. <laughs> it's not like, you know, but it, I just think it's ridiculous. I just think the scheduling needs to change. You know, 
we've had this before at this tournament and it seems to have happened well we've had two incidents of of women's matches starting after 12 so far this tournament so we've had Conta against Muguruza and then today we had Sloane Stevens against Pavlyuchenkova and you know the Conta match finished beyond 3am I think uh, local time and then the match today finished at like 2am and I just think you know, A, there's no crowd left watching. I think there was literally like a handful of people for Joe Conta's match. Um, you know, and the, the players aren't getting the the crowd or the, the viewers that they deserve. I think why not put them on before the men? Because the, you know, the women's match generally is shorter. So the men wouldn't be starting the match so ridiculously late. I mean, what do you think? Do you think that's a solution just to reverse the order? Yeah, I think... It's an interesting one. I think that is definitely something that I think they could and should explore. Because, as you said, it's such a shame that, you know, Conta versus Muguruza was a really high quality match. And it was played in front of about six people. Yeah, like one man. And it's, it's like the crowd you'd see at like a challenger or something. Well, maybe slightly more, but, you know. Yeah. And uh, I think in um, in in Stevens, Pav, Stevens versus Pavlov. Pav, Pavlichenk over the in their match I think one of them said in their interview afterwards that they actually heard someone yawning and it's like <laughs> well it's not because the tennis was bad it's just because you know it's a time of day yeah. where you know it affects everyone it's not it's mm. obviously it affects the players but you know um, spectators as well you know can you can you ask spectators to really kind of be focused and engaged in a match that is a you know at 2 a.m also, the ball kids, the the staff, you know, the line judges, you know, they've all got to be sharp and, you know, on the money. And I mean, yeah, like if I was sitting there, I'd, I would be falling asleep unless you had like six espressos or something. I just, it's not good for anyone really, is it? I mean, you do get some dramatic matches that, you know, go on and on and they are like memorable and fun, you know, if sometimes, you know, if you're there in the crowd, but they're generally on the outside courts, you know. I think on the show courts, you just don't have that atmosphere when it, when it's so late and it's just a bit of a dead, dead match. But I mean, it's a shame because the Konda Muguruza match was was a cracking match. Like, and Joe really showed that she's kind of you know almost back to the form that she had a couple of years ago, which was so nice to see. Um, the... And I, I, you know, I got up and went to work and and uh, came back home and you know I listened to most of the match at home and that, that's crazy. You know, you just sort of think. This tennis should have finished hours ago. The um, um, yeah, for me, I thought it was actually really nice of Conta and Muguruza to play that late because it meant mm. that I could watch and for other people <laughs> to watch in our lunch break. That's yeah. how long it went on for. I know. Um, yeah. So yeah, but I do kind of, I do have this part of me as a kind of super fan that it does sort of create those sort of I was there moments. Mm. You know, I think we look at the latest finish ever. I think probably at a Grand Slam, 4.33 a.m. Hewitt versus Bagdatis in 2008. Yeah. And it's and it, it does have that capacity to, to, to create those sorts of, you know, I was there, epic, I was there yeah. sorts of moments. But I think asking players to come on after midnight, that I think for me is, uh, that's different. It's unreasonable. That's different from, yeah. you know, from matches being absolute epics and going late into the night, but starting at a reasonable-ish time. Yeah, I mean, it's great to have like a tournament where you, you know, have the flexibility to play so late, you know, you've got floodlights, you don't have, 
you know, like at Wimbledon, they've got those residential laws which say, you know, no play past 11pm. But it's just, there is a stage where it ventures into like the stupid and I think it's kind of overset yeah. the mark. And I do hope that they look into that because, I mean, for example, with the fifth set tie breaks that they've introduced, like what's the point in having um, them in order to limit the length of the match and, you know, as a way of trying to preserve, you know, players health by not having these like 10 hour matches but then if you're just going to disregard the health of the players by denying them like sleep and disrupting their circadian rhythm and all of that I just think it needs to be looked into yeah and and one final point which I thought was quite interesting and I was like does this really did this really happen in this day and age was apparently in the Muguruza Conta match they got offered an hour before to go on to court three uh, as a proposed alternative but apparently the court had seagull droppings on it which meant that it needed to be cleaned which meant that actually it wouldn't have got underway uh, a much time before you know playing after the the men's match i just thought that was a bit of a bizarre situation <laughs> that must have been an awful lot of like seagull poo <laughs> and would it have really taken that much time to clear up i mean i, I just think that's that's quite interesting. Why was, I don't think I've ever noticed like any seagulls like pooing yeah, at the Australian uh, Open, but obviously uh, it's a thing. I mean, as much as I guess, you know, with Wimbledon and it has its problems with its insects, the Australian Open, its adopted animal is the seagull. The seagull. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so, uh, so that's kind of point one. The second point we're going to talk about uh, that we've thought of about in, in the Australian Open in the first week Generation Z breakthrough, but is it a changing of the guard, Kim? Oh, yeah, question, questionable there. Yeah, so I mean, this tournament, like we've seen, um, obviously, sits of us. Let's let's get on to him first. You know, he is just twenty years of age, and he's just taken out the defending champion Roger Federer in the fourth round. Um, so a lot of people have been talking about parallels between this match today and that famous match where Federer played Sampras at Wimbledon in 2001, which has kind of been lauded as, you know, the changing of the guard. So I think on court um, in the post-match interview, John McEnroe was talking about, you know, um, the Federer losing today to Sitsipas being the new changing of the guard. Um, and it, interestingly, there's just some freaky statistics here. Like... Um, Sitsipas today and Federer back in 2001, they were both ranked 15th in the world at the time. They both only won one tour title before coming into that slam. Both matches were in the fourth round and they were both like similar ages. I think Federer was like 19 at the time of that match. So there are a lot of like uncanny kind of similarities going on. Um, and I mean, it was just such a cracking match, wasn't it? Like, as you said before, it was just such high quality and didn't play badly it was it was Sitsipas just matching him and you know in the big points he just he just did it you know yeah I think um, it for, yeah for, I think you hit the nail on the head there I think it he played the the bigger the bigger points better mm. and that's the reason he won in four sets I thought potentially the pressure might have got to him in in those tiebreak situations given Federer has so much experience but yeah he played absolutely out of his skin and a really great result for him I remember last year being at the Australian Open, watching him against Shapovalov mm. and thinking, you know, these two are really going to uh, progress and be kind of really kind of future stars. But I was not expecting it at the rate 
it has happened, particularly for Sissipas, because over the last 12, 18 months, you know, he's been winning lots of lots of tour titles on different continents. And, mm. you yeah, know, he's now making that step up in the Grand Slam. So he's, you know, he's he's been doing it. He's been working his way through the, you know, the tour on the circuit. And now he's transferring that form into Grand Slams. Yeah, and he won the, uh, what do they call it, the next-gen finals, didn't he, like November last year, which is kind of the tournament they have, like the ne- for the next generation is, is in the name. So, But he is like the now generation, you know, with this match. I think he's definitely announced himself onto the scene. Like if people hadn't heard of him before now, then they, they definitely do now. Um, and interestingly, like uh, my friend actually commented, she said, oh, oh you know, I wonder if Sitsipas will get tired um, because we did see him having his like leg massage during the fourth set. So I don't know if he was like starting to cramp. So, you know, if I had have gone to a fifth set, it might have been different. I don't know. But then we were, you know, just thinking, well, since Pass is only 20, if anyone's going to get tired, it should be Federer, who's 37. But you kind of just think of him as, well, you used to think of him as so invincible, but he's lost his last, well, he's lost his last two five-set matches. You know, he lost to John Millman. In the US opening loss to Kevin Anderson from two sets up at Wimbledon. He's not invincible anymore. Like people can beat him. He seems to be so much more frail at the slams than he ever used to be. And I just wonder, I know we've kind of spoken a bit about when we think he will go. Um, I just think, I personally think Federer is aiming for the Olympics next year. And then I think he might call it a day. I don't know. I mean, he announced, doesn't he, after the match that he's going to play the clay court court season season. this year yeah very which is interesting because he hasn't done that for a couple of years has he very yeah very interesting uh i that's that that i read that in the news i heard there was it was on the on the grapevine it was some gossip i'd heard uh, a few weeks ago um and it and it obviously has been confirmed today so that will be very interesting to see how he does on his return to a a clay court but coming back to the kind of point on around this changing of the guard, I, you know, do I think, like John McEnroe, do I think that match was a changing of the guard? I don't think so just yet. Mm, interesting. I, I don't know. I think it's going to come at some point. I don't know if it's going to be like a match, though, where that happens. Um, like kind of the Sampras and Federer match 18 years ago. But but we'll see. Um, kind of looking at other up-and-coming players as well. We had uh, Shapovalov, uh, Alex de Manur from Australia, as well as uh, Papyrin as well, all kind of getting to the third round. And that was the first time that three teams got to the third round of a Grand Slam since 2008. Mm. Yeah, I mean, everyone was sort of tipping Alex de Manur to challenge Rafa in that third round match. But it was actually a bit of a whitewash, wasn't it? Bit of a steamroll. I think um, it was kind of yes. Alex Dumanor is a very up and coming prospect. You know, he's he's won the Sydney tournament before. You know, coming into AO, but you know there was still a vast difference between him and Rafa. And uh, yeah, I feel like he's not quite there yet. You know, in terms of challenging for slams, like for sure. And also Shapovalov is is still, I think, for me, too wild a player to really like put it all together. Um Alexi Popperin, I literally didn't know anything about him. I mean, he's a he's a wild card. Uh he he you know, he lost to Lucas Puy um 
the other yesterday. But yeah, it's interesting that it's the first time that we've had well three teens on the men's the men's slam uh, since yeah two thousand and eight. And um, back in two thousand and eight, it was Chilich, Del Potro, and Nishikori, which you know very seasoned players now. Um, interestingly, going over to the women's side though, um, we had the youngest the youngest uh, person in Generation Z, whatever you want to call it, to break through. So Amanda Anisimova, get this, she's only 17 and five months, so like literally just, just turned 17. Crazy. And she reached the fourth round and she lost today to Kvitova. But she, she had a really good match against Sabalenka. She'd sort of totally out hit and yep. out, you know, <laughs> just overpowered Sabalenka, who, you know, we've spoken at length that she is you know, very exciting up and coming mm. prospect and some even, you know, you could have said she was a contender for the slam. Um, but yeah, and it's some over, she sort of arrived on, on the scene. Um, I mean, first player born in the two thousands to get this deep in a slam. Yeah. And, you know, I think if there's one country that's exceeded my expectations anyway, it's the Americans. They've done really, mm. I think they've done really well in the, well, in the first week, they've done really well both on, you know, the men's side with Francis TFO yeah. from out of nowhere getting into the quarterfinals. And he's he's got, 21 today, isn't yeah. he? He's, he's, got a big, he's got a big 21. chance to get to, big chance to get to the semifinals as well. Anyway, we'll talk yeah. about that in a bit. And yeah, <laughs> um, yeah on the, the American side as well, Anisimova from America, but also um, Danielle Collins as well. So yes. Yeah. So the Americans very doing very very well this tournament, but um, yeah, going back to the original point, Generation Z doing very well. We're starting to get all these players come through that were born in the year two thousand or later. Makes me feel like I just want to die a little inside when I when I hear those sorts of statistics. <laughs> um, Makes me feel so old. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, uh, but yeah, I don't think a changing of guard just yet maybe maybe later on in the in in the season who who knows but yeah um, yeah I'm I mean, sure these have to arrive on the scene you know at some point but it's I think because we've had such a especially in the men's game such a dominant big four I think the changing of the guard is going to be different to you know the changing of the guard when the current lot came on the scene if you see what I mean because we've just never had this like period of men's tennis where there's been such dominance from you know the three best players ever to play the game arguably yeah. you know all being in the same era at the same time um moving on from that i think our third kind of uh thing that we wanted to raise was really that despite generation z or generation z as you said um break you know, arguably kind of coming through we we kind of still think that serena and novak are the ones to beat like for this tournament especially you know now that Federer's out um they just look to be the most informed don't they I think they're still the ones to beat yeah I think let's talk about Serena Williams first of all um her final sorry her her final match of the first week was against teenage sensation Diana Yastremska and absolutely dismantled her 6-2-6-1 brought her to literally brought her to tears which (laughs) was uh which it kind of shows like there is a fragility there with you've got to remember there is a fragility there with these you know these new players coming you know coming up but um it was great to kind of see Serena I think she kind of she gave her like a hug at the net didn't yeah. she she had some like nice words for her but I think with Serena Williams yeah she's looked very good so far arguably hasn't been tested 
um, as much as some other players. I'm thinking like Simona Hallett, but obviously big next big matchup tomorrow. Yes, I'm excited for that. So yeah, I think as Hallett, I think as Hallett has already put it, it's the world number one versus the best woman in women's tennis. So a very kind of exciting prospect. But yeah, Serena looks a very looks very good looks very assured when she when she's been stepping onto the court yeah I, I would agree I think she she seems to be the one to be but as you said you know she hasn't had a particularly tough uh match as of yet you know so it would be really interesting to see how she does against Halep um but on the men's side Novak's kind of been sort of parading through I mean he dropped a set to Shapovalov but I think that wasn't really anything to worry about I think he just sort of you know went off for like a few games uh he's he, playing Medvedev next but yeah Med- I, I just Medvedev has has got form actually he's beaten has he beaten him in the past or at least he came close I think at a slam or, or somewhere possibly yeah. I, I I mean I still remember Medvedev for that absolute massive meltdown he had at Wimbledon <laughs> yeah if, if you can remember that but, yes um, I do yeah. more recently yeah he's he's maybe put those frustrations or those exertions aside, and yeah, he's he's producing some really good matches. And again, he should be talked about in that bracket of, you know, up upcoming players. Um, but yeah, I still think kind of Novak is is looking looking very good. It was interesting though to see that against Shapovalov, I think, um, he obviously dropped he dropped a set, and I think he, he got really but irked by that he bageled him, didn't he, in the in the fourth. Yeah, but I think so. <laughs> he he got irked by the lights being put on for a day match. Uh, oh yes, yeah, yeah. And uh, I will. I just wonder whether going forward, maybe if like, I don't think there is. Maybe it's going to be something kind of like that. Maybe that could be his. Um, you know that could put that could add like a fly in the ointment. Um, his undoing. Yeah, just like external factors rather than. But yeah, himself. but if you just yeah. look at performance, I think yeah, Novak has been particularly strong. Yeah, just with his past form here, I think he's <laughs> he for me. You know, we both predicted him at the start of the tournament. I think he's always been the one to beat. Um, I'm obviously hoping that Rafa will uh, be able to go deep because you know he's done better than maybe I thought so far. But but anyhow, um, we'll move on and we'll discuss. Kind of, we'll look forward to to the second week a bit later um, on the pod. So number four on things we've learned from week one of the Australian Open, and we want to put the spotlight now on Australian tennis, basically saying Australian tennis, all the off-court stuff, completely overshadowing the results on court. Yeah, (laughs) I think, um, you know, we'll kind of get on to uh, what's happened on court uh, just in a bit, but the the Tomich Leighton Hewitt argument debacle whatever you want to call it sort of um, has continued because um, we touched so, on it in the we touched on it in the last episode didn't we Yeah so Tomich came out in a presser and said that you know Leighton Hewitt should just go away and retire for good <laughs> because you know although he said he's retired he's still playing and you know he's getting too involved in Australian tennis and it's very political and you know and now Tomich's dad uh, has sort of got involved and apparently Tomich's dad uh, is beginning legal action against Leighton Hewitt over an incident that he alleges happened nine years ago. Um, 
So apparently something happened in 2010 where Bernard Tomic was kind of left traumatised um, because of something happening during a Davis Cup tie. So I basically think this bad blood has been happening between the Tomiches and, and Hewitt for years. Um, and now Hewitt has kind of hit back against the Bernard Tomic and his family saying that... Um, that he'd been like trying to threaten him and that it's all you know just uh it's just one big mess kim one big mess it's It's like a soap opera i know being played out being played out in press conferences you know leighton hewitt i think Mm. is trying to be really transparent be really open be the good guy and he's almost like fanning the flames a little bit and it's a shame because let's move on to kind of the on-court stuff and the australians have actually you know, we spoke the fact that they had, you know, in the men's in the men's section, they had quite difficult draws. Mm. But having said that, you know, they still managed to get. They still had up and coming players get through to the to the third round. Yeah, I mean, we we'll start off with. Um, well, let's start off with the men. Obviously, we've just discovered discussed uh, Alexi Popperin, sort of a wild card that's popped out of nowhere. Um, he actually beat Dominic T on the way mm. to the uh to the third round i mean i think team was uh, a little bit injured he retired well he actually retired i think didn't he i think he was ill something going on with him um also alex bolt he he got well, did he get to the third round yeah second round third yeah, round, third round. Yep. yep third round um alex de Manor, obviously he then lost to rafa um so yeah and they weren't necessarily maybe the australians we thought i mean that we thought that we'd get there. Popper and Bolt, certainly not. Um, and then over in the women's game, we had Ash Barty, who is still in. She is now in the quarters, having beaten Sharapova today in a pretty, you know, topsy-turvy match. Um, and also Kimberly Birrell, who is ranked number 240 in the world. Um, and yeah, made it through to the third round. Big payday for her then. That. Yeah, I think she... Um, She's already doubled her career prize money just from getting to the third round. Yeah. I think so, it's yeah, I think it's her. yeah, exactly. And it's like it's stories like that, you know, you want I think you want to read about in mm. of from Australian tennis. As much as you know, as much as it's interesting to hear all the bickering going on and all the politics, I you know, I wanna I wanna hear the results. I wanna hear the on court performances and yeah, there's some really kind of good stories there. Yeah, we want positive, you know, uplifting stories, yeah. not like petty, childish squabbles. Um, but yeah, it's actually the first time uh, since 2004 that Australia have had five players through to the third round. So although, you know, there's there's so many Australian players in the draw, but I just think that really emphasises that, OK, they've got a lot, a lot of depth, you know, a lot of players in like the top 100 on the men's and women's games. But there's not really many of them actually getting to the, the final stages right at the top of the game. So it's like, when are they going to have someone who's like right up there again? Um, I think Barty and Demonor are certainly the best prospects at the moment. 100%, 100% agree with you, Kim. Yeah. And I think they're both <laughs> not getting involved in, you know, although Alex Demonor, you know, Leighton Hewitt is, is mentoring him and mm-hmm. he's sort of, is quite similar in his game and you know style to, to Hewitt. Um, but I, I don't, you know, he's, I think, cleverly not getting involved <laughs> in the sort of off-court politics um and certainly you know hopefully won't ruin his chances like Kyrgios and Tomic have done you know with their sort of statements off the courts shall we say (laughs) 
Yeah, so, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> I think the the last point I was going to make on that is that, yeah, Rafael Nadal, three Australians in a row, and I know. completely smoked all of them. That is true, actually. Yeah, maybe you know John Millman, or no, he didn't beat John Millman, but you know um, Matt, Matt Ebden, uh, Duckworth. Yeah, you know, maybe more Aussies would have got further, <laughs> but you know, Rafa just kind of keeps getting Aussie away, Slayer. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so Aussie tennis is uh, in an interesting state of flux um, at the moment, um, which just brings us on to kind of the, our next point. Uh, so uh, there's been a couple of like interesting off court you know, nice off-court things, not not arguments um, that have been going on during the tournament. So one of the things was, I don't know if you saw it, but um, on Margaret Court Arena, there were two ladies dressed in wedding dresses, um, which, you know, is ironic because Margaret Court Arena, you know, it's named after Mar- Mar- the Margaret Court, who came out, it was either last year or two years ago, um, with very homophobic comments. So... Um, I don't know if these women were actually making like a gay marriage sort of uh, standpoint, um, you know, on that particular court as a, you know, protest against what Margaret Court said and, you know, supporting gay marriage. Um, Or interestingly, you know, some people said it was just a bit of publicity for some like wedding show that's on an Australian (laughs) television. Whatever it was, it was very, I thought it was very clever. I thought it was good. Yeah. I mean, even if it is just a publicity stunt, you know, I'm going to read into it that it was a gay rights, uh, you know, um, promotion, if you like, uh, and a sort of up yours to Margaret Court. Um, <laughs> that's what I'm going to read into it as. Yeah. Um, yeah. So moving on to kind of the next next thing that a lot of people I've noticed on Twitter talk about. And Kim, I'm not sure if you've seen them because I know you're a big Rafa fan. But these mm-hmm. these Uber Eats adverts with Rafa Nadal. <laughs> been very polarizing in the tennis twitter community oh it's it's uh, i I mean i find mm. them i find them so cringe when yeah basically nadal uh orders an uber eats takeaway dumplings with prawn toast okay sounds uh like well i don't know not that nice (laughs) to be honest and then he gets a dinner violation yeah Which is ironic because, you know, Rafa always gets time violations. <laughs> it would have been um, great if the umpire was Carlos Bernardes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think Rafa should stick to underwear modelling rather than <laughs> Uber Eats adverts because it's just, it is really cringeworthy. Like, it doesn't make me want to go and use Uber Eats, to be honest. So, I think, <laughs> yeah. I don't think they should make those ones again or, uh, yeah. yeah. Been interesting. Yeah, and, and any any listeners, if you can think of any other kind of cringe TV adverts that involve high profile tennis players, please kind of share them on our on our social media channels because uh, we, yeah, we just think this kind of for me this is possibly like a, a top a top five. Um, yeah, of, you, you've made me just think of yeah, you've made me think of you know Federer doing the lint chocolate adverts, <laughs> and now I just I just want lint. I just want chocolate now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the other interesting thing that happened was, um, was some romance in the air. So Gail Monfils and Alina Svitolina have sort of gone public. High profile. Their, their relationship. Yeah. Like I had no idea that they were a thing, but I think she was asked about it in her on-court interview. After yeah, she wasn't match. too happy about that. Yeah. She was a bit like, why are you asking me this? Like now, you know, uh, I wasn't expecting you to say anything. Um, so I think they kind of just took that 
to everyone and they set up their own Instagram account, uh, yeah. which is called Gems, like the initials of their names. But like, intertwined because intertwined, they obviously yeah. love each other and it's a bud, you know, yeah. <laughs> see uh, a budding romance. But um, yeah, very, some some yeah interesting gossip there because it's it's not every day uh, news breaks out like that particularly like during grand slams and it's interesting because fitter leader is is still in the tournament she's still in it yeah she's playing madison keys uh well tomorrow like we're recording this on the sunday um but yeah so it's nice yeah that obviously like they've done something like off court that you know it's quite light-hearted or it's a bit of a dig at the media isn't it as well so uh I yeah good on gail might be at her match cheering her on yeah. tomorrow so good on them um yeah. so let's Let's move on to looking at week two, which is kind of our final our final point is that week two is shaping up really nicely, both on the men and women's sides. You know, we've already kind of um, well, I'll let Kim kind of talk about it, but we're we're at the halfway stage. We've got some of our quarterfinalists, but we've also still got some really exciting kind of fourth round matches to come as well. Yeah, exactly. So um let's let's start with the women so fourth round depending on when you guys are listening to us uh, it might have already happened so bear with us but Serena Halep I think is you know the the match to to watch uh everyone's sort of really intrigued to see how Simone Halep's going to get on against Serena who's going to win that yeah Simone well I think Serena but I I don't know because Halep's kind of come through the draw from hell so far you know, she beat Kai Kanepi and Sophia Kennan in three sets, both tricky players. She's beat Venus very comfortably. Yeah. Serena's not been tested. Exactly. You know. So, you know, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see about, about this one. Um, I'm also thinking um, Muguruza Plitschkova could be a, a humdinger because Muguruza's been in perhaps better form than we would have expected. Mm-hmm. And Plitschkova's kind of had a, a fairly... Under the Easy. radar, under yeah, the radar no one's really talking about her. No, but she's definitely, obviously, got the the capability. Yeah. So and she, yeah, she won Brisbane uh, coming into this mm. the tournament as well. And then we've got Osaka against Sevastova, and Sevastova, I think she did quite well running, you know, coming into AO, and she's she's actually the thirteenth seed, but I don't think people really know her, like know much about her. Um, and I certainly haven't seen an awful lot of her playing, so I'm kind of intrigued to see how she's going to fare against Osaka. And then, as you said, we've got Svitolina still in the draw. She's playing Madison Keys. And again, actually, interestingly, Madison Keys, she's now made the round of 16 or better in her last four appearances at Slams. Um, And she's actually, you know, pretty solidly performing in Slams. Very consistent. People just sort of always overlook her. So, yeah, the consistency is definitely there. So... She she might get through uh, to the quarters. Yeah, so we've got a good yeah we've got a good mix of interesting matchups there in mm. round four, and then we as I said we've got two quarterfinals already yes. set. Kvitova versus Barty, which should be an absolute blockbuster. Oh, so look Kvit- that one. Kvitova yeah. is playing like the Kvitova of old, and yeah. she's taking absolutely no prisoners. Barty obviously just come through a topsy-turvy match with Sharapova that was very entertaining uh Sharapova's uh, match interview her, her press conference intru- in- 
interview afterwards also very interesting she was also taking yeah they asked her about the uh yeah they asked her about uh, what's it called Melod- Mel- melodium melodium yeah. melodium i don't that, know that. yeah that that drug she was taking for her supposed uh health problems she didn't want to answer uh any questions no. about that uh she's very stone-faced when asked about that yeah. and and then the the other quarterfinal that's set up, which I don't think anyone would have been expecting going into yeah. going into the Australian Open, is Pavlichenkova versus uh, Danielle Collins of the United States. Yeah, I mean, um, Pavlichenkova a few years ago, well, maybe about 10 years ago, she had just kind of broken through from the junior tour. She was kind of one to watch, you know, and she's just not ever matched what I think she deep down, you know, is capable of. So, yeah, it's really nice to see her making the quarters. Danielle Collins, she... I know that she's been improving steadily over the last year. She's kind of been on my radar a little bit, but, you know, she's... I think she, she'd never won any Grand Slam matches That's right. until this she, tournament. Is that correct? Yeah, she... I think I read a statistic saying, last five Grand Slams, round one, round one, round one, round one quarterfinals so so i want what, what is it that's you know suddenly fallen into place for her i mean mm. yeah so she beat angelique kerber today who we both had as our well i know i had her as my prediction for this yeah. tournament and she, she not only beat her she like won the first set in 20 minutes like yeah absolutely an, um annihilated, annihilated her, her. Mm. so um yeah so, so i wonder if she can keep that up though i mean it'll be interesting but one of them is going to be in the semi-final mm. so <laughs> Yeah, totally unexpected. But then, you know, there's there's usually someone that is just kind of comes out of pretty much nowhere. But interestingly, Daniel Collins, she went through the college system in the US. Yes, so she's that's kind right. of had a different route route to um, to where she is now. Yeah, she, again, I, I saw an interesting statistic saying she's the first, I don't know what this means, but the first collegiate tennis player since Lisa Raymond in 2004 to Gosh. make the quarterfinals of a grand slam so yeah very interesting obviously she's completely like standing up for for college tennis and it's great to see these sorts of paths being you know recognized in in the sport and it's like it just shows you there's lots of different ways you can go in and you know get a good draw see what happens and and you can make the most of your ability Am I right in thinking Cam Norrie went through the college system Mm -hmm. so you know hopefully this bodes well for Cam uh (laughs) you know, doing better this year. But also, um, Simona Halep, uh, she's made, you know, um, she's made the fourth round, but there are still, well, I think five players now that could still topple her as world number one by the end of the tournament should, you know, should results fall their way. So Svitolina, Pliskova, Osaka and Kvitova. Oh no, so sorry, only four players. They could, you know, end world number, you know, end the tournament as world number one. Mm -hmm. So, Still very much um, up for grabs. But the men's draw, so let's head to the men. Yep. So as we kind of touched upon earlier, Novak, who we kind of still think is the guy to beat, he's playing Medvedev, which we know could be quite tricky. We'll, we'll see. Um, we'll see how that one goes. I, I don't think Medvedev is going to win. No. I, don't think I think he might pose him a few problems, but I still kind of yeah. see Djokovic. Maybe three, but I think in three, but kind of quite tight sets. Yeah. Um, and then we've got in that half of the draw, well, segment of the draw, Pablo Carreno Buster. Um, I love that name. Uh, or PCB, as is PCB. To say. <laughs> PCB against Kane Shikori. 
So, oh, I mean, I would expect K to win that yeah. one. But I don't know. Um, he, he's he's had a few. He's had has he had two five setters so he's far. He's had a long, a lot of long matches. But mm. his five set record, I don't know if you saw, but it's like incredible. He's, he's yeah. Don't I remind think, got me. The best record. Yeah, in don't five remind set me because one of those was against Murray at the US Open. Yeah. Murray so, <laughs> but yeah, I can see that match going like five sets though. To be honest, uh, again, uh, and then. Going down the draw, we've got Zverev against Ryonich. Mm. So Ryonich, I think, you know, he's been he's been in form, hasn't he? Yeah, he is looking very good. Potential dark horse. I could mm. definitely see him taking out Zverev. I can see him in the semi uh, against Novak. Yep. Like just looking at the draw shaping up. Hundred percent. I think I think Ryonich would actually. I think he might be really considered the favourite for that one. Uh, yeah, I agree. I I think um, I think if there is if one of the big seeds is are in danger of following Federer and making an exit, I think you know Rayonich could mm. Rayonich could be the person to topple Zverev. Yeah, and then I mean we've got on the bottom we've got Lucas. I never know how to say his name. Lucas Pui. Yeah. <laughs> Apologies, French fans uh, against Borna Koric. So I mean, I would expect Koric to win that one. Yeah. Um, Although it's great to see Am- Amelie Moresmo working with uh, yeah, Lucas working Puy. with Lucas Puy, yeah, so, so um, former coach of Andy, yeah, yeah, and then I mean that's the fourth round, so they'll be happening on the Monday, um, and then obviously the other side of the draw, we've got Roberto Bautista Agu, so Andy Murray's conqueror against Sissipas in the so, quarterfinals. Who do you think is going to go for that? I mean, they're both playing really well, and they've. They both deserve to be there, you know. They've. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Oh. Batista Agut has had some, kind of like Nishikuri has had some very long matches so far, and he's been mm. taken to five sets a few times. But you know, players he's come through: Andy Murray, John Millman, Karen Kachinov, Marin Silic, so or Chilich. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he is in some he's playing some very good tennis i wonder what, how much is left in the tank and whether sissy pass will be riding on a high from beating federer i think mm. for me possibly that's the key question is can sissy pass maintain that level you know coming from such a high from beating federer can he maintain that going into the next round i think that's a big question for me yeah, I agree. It's it's whether he can back it up. I think that's like almost the true test, isn't it? Whether his performance can can you know match tonight's or today's. Um, so we'll see. I think that'll be an interesting match. And then at the bottom of the draw, Rafa against Francis Tiafo or Tiafo. Not sure how you pronounce his name exactly. Um, Tiafo won today on his twenty first birthday. So I don't know. I don't think he's ever played Rafa. Um, so I just, I, I, I do think Rafa will win that. Um, yeah. I do. I hope I haven't put the curse on that by, <laughs> by saying that. But um, we'll, we'll see. But I, I, I kind of expect Rafa to, to get through to the semis. Um, interestingly, on a side note, TFO said that his, um, his secret to ward off cramping <laughs> was um pickle juice <laughs> which he said tasted terrible um which I'm, I'm, is not surprising I'm, i mean what what does he mean by pickle juice I, I don't know but maybe one of us should um maybe one try of us it. should try it 
and then describe what it is like maybe in the next episode if if you can buy pickle juice or or do you just get like a jar of pickled onions and drink the water oh, or something? Oh, I mean... <laughs> I'll give that one to you. I'll do the next one. I'll try the, you know, the next uh, brand of you could do the ice bath, Lindt Kim. chocolate. Ice bath? Yeah, I'll do an ice bath any day. <laughs> um, but yeah, so <laughs> we will see what happens. Um, lots of exciting matches coming up. Um, who do you think then, just on a final note, who do you think this time next week will be the champions of AO. Are we still going with with Novak? I'm still going with Novak Djokovic. What about in the women's? Serena, Kvitova, <sighs> Barty, Daniel Collins. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I am going to go with uh I know I think I put Halep in my in my GS predictions for 2019 and mm. Oh no! I think I put Serena. Actually, I think I'm still going to back with Serena. I think look, she's looked yeah. very good, and I I expect her I expect her to continue that form. I think Halep Serena could have the potential to be an absolute classic, though. Do you think maybe the winner of that would be the winner of the tournament Ooh. as well? Like, yes. I just if Halep, well, although if Halep did get through, she'd still have potentially like Pliskova or you know Osaka to beat. Mm. And, I don't know. That's what we love about the sport. It's unpredictable. And <laughs> round by round, Tim. Today, round by round. Anything can happen. <laughs> so, yeah, we look forward to it. Uh, did you have anything else uh, to add, Joel? Any random bits of, I don't know, information? <laughs> <laughs> no, all, <laughs> I, all, <laughs> all, I was, all I will say is to all our fans who you know you may be aware of it, we've updated our social media handle just to one handle now. So, it's now passing shot pod and it's the same on twitter on facebook and on instagram so if you want to f- follow us on all of those channels just search passing shot pod and you'll be able to find us obviously please like and subscribe to us on all the podcasting platforms out there your podcasting platform of choice whether that's on itunes or spotify or on google podcasts whatever will be on there um but yeah, for now, I'm yeah, I'm excited for week two. It's been a great week one. And yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to waking up tomorrow and again just kind of going back onto the app, checking the live scores. <laughs> yeah. It almost is like little it's like a mini Christmas like It's exciting, because <laughs> it's like Christmas morning. You're like, Oh, I wonder what's going on in Melbourne and then yeah, it's just like I've been following it while I've been at work and you know, it's just definitely brightens up the uh the day when you've got tennis to kind of engage with so, so yeah so we'll until be... next i think we're going to be doing an episode <laughs> next week to round up the rest of the action uh so until then you know um give us a listen give us a share give us a rating subscribe uh thank you for listening and goodbye <laughs>
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.